Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. Time for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Zanashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy, hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. Greetings, cretins. <laughs> ah, John, 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 John. You think I should come up with something new? Um, new I don't know. Cretin? I don't know. I think, I, I think you know, when you have a classic, you stick with it. Um, yeah. You know, I, I don't even think about it anymore. It's just, it's just what I say. <laughs> The show. And <laughs> Should I make something up? Uh, no. No? Okay. So. Never mind. I don't think so. Um, All right. You're uh, implying that your voice matters. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I mean, I exactly. don't want to say that, but that's just. Kind of like, no, I'm fine with it. It's, it's pretty cool. real. <laughs> uh, maybe once you start brewing, we will we will let you, uh, yeah. you know, talk that's, a little bit that's more. That's fair. We'll ask you more questions. Fair, fair. And. Uh, uh, so far, you've run uh, some water through your Blickman yeah. uh, top tier yeah. uh, brewing system, mm-hmm. or is it? Yeah. You have the That's Brew it. Easy. You have the Brew Easy. The Brew Easy. Yes. yes. So Easy is so, literally in the title. <laughs> <laughs> Was it easy to brew water into water with the Brew Easy? Yeah, it came out great. Yeah, it tasted just like water. It tasted just like water. And there you go. All right. So uh, success number one uh, on the on the bridge. There you go. <laughs> so far, so good. Your first failure was you could not find an outlet to plug into. Yeah. 240 volt. Right. Yeah. 30 amp. You, like, you even brought that. everything down to the brewery and where we still, have multiple. <laughs> and you still, did, it still <laughs> didn't work. <laughs> and you still didn't uh, have the right plug. No. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's He's using kind of, the, the old dryer plug, the three-prong. Right, right. Well, that's probably the most common, um, you know. Well, in the Midwest. In, well, in, no, no, across the country. It's a new construction. They've required a new plug uh, that, that has like a four-conductor now. So most of California. <laughs> well, a lot of California, yeah. You went to uh, uh, one of your parents' places, and they had like a new construction yep. place. And yep, yep, my yep. father. <laughs> Can't win. So, hey, if anyone wants uh, to yeah. let me use your garage. You can just make a little plug. adapter, a little short cord with the two plugs on it, That's and right. uh, there you go. And then, you yeah, know. Actually, I tried that for my kid's welder, mm-hmm. and oh, you, it, was, you split it was much cheaper just to go, go to Home Depot and buy the correct receptacle and open up the box and put that in, install that, and take the old one out. Oh, like install a 240. Yeah. Yeah, well, if I, if I right. could do that. He's having trouble boiling water. <laughs> Literally, the look of terror that just went across his face was so great. <laughs> no, I, I, could, I could do that, but I don't have access to the garage at all. That's the problem. I'm in an apartment in San Francisco, So instead you think... Uh, I don't even have a dryer or a washer. You think open flame is the all. answer. Open flame yeah, and a so gas went, of uh, combustible, a tank of combustible gas. Absolutely. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I ended up doing that. I just ended up like saying whatever and just mm-hmm. bought a Hellfire Burner. What, right. what about there at the uh, Hop Grenade? Do they have a 240 outlet? No. We don't like his kind. They'd be lucky to have an outlet <laughs> at all. You're brutal today, Bebo. Are you okay? What have I done? Have I done something to offend no, you? Not at all. Actually, I was just saying how much I like you earlier. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's about, it's about I this much, really. Um, <laughs> well, we're we're all fascinated to, uh, to to hear more about your escapades, Miss your adventures. adventures. Yes. Yeah. So, let you know. you're brewing tomorrow? I was going to brew today. Oh, actually. that's right. We ended up doing shows. Yeah. Change the day of the show. That's okay. I'll do it next uh, Wednesday. Right. Well, maybe you'll have a chance to get uh, some of your flake barley and all that. Oh, yeah. That's true, too. Instead of using caravels. Right. You know, right. dry Irish. <laughs> right. Or you do oats. Yeah. There you go. Oats. Very easy to use. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Well, we'll, we'll see. Stop. We'll see. You'll have some fun. No matter what you do, it'll turn out to be beer. It'll be it'll be great. You know that, it's, that it's is the beer. bottom line, mm-hmm. right? Nope, uh, it's, it's, it's just it's just really cool. It's It'd be like you know, the the thing with like doing something like uh, painting or creating music is, you know, it's very easy to see how crappy it turned out, and it didn't really like turn out like a painting. The most it's most like important part is just to do. Right, exactly. You just need to do it. Or yeah. like in beer. It's really easy to get pretty darn good results. Yeah. So, uh, it's always enjoyable. Uh, speaking of enjoyable, speaking of the Brew Easy, uh, the inventor and uh, uh, master of the, the Brew Easy, uh, John Blickman, is, uh, sponsors this show. Pays for the show so you don't have to. And uh, the way he pays for paying for the show is he sells, invents and sells all this amazing brew gear, like the Brew Easy, like the uh, Tower of Power, like the, uh, uh, the Riptide Pump, like the Cornicle, like... Uh, so many things that he does. And all the anvil equipment, too. All the anvil equipment, yeah. If you're looking for a uh, more, um, uh, you know, every bit as strong, but a little easier on the pocketbook, uh, uh, maybe not as feature-rich as some of these these other uh, devices, uh, the anvil uh, brewing equipment is is your cup of tea. Um, great way to get started, um, you know. Uh, and... All I gotta ask from you is that you at least email them, check out the website, email them, say, "Hey, uh, Mr. John Blickman, uh, you know, thanks for sponsoring the show. Um, uh, you know, send an email to uh, feedback at the brewing, at uh, blickmanengineering.com. dot com. See him at the show. Uh, see him at uh, AHA uh, Homebrewcon, and uh, say hi to him and uh, tell him how much you appreciate he pays for it." Because if you don't, he may stop paying for it. You never know. And then poor porno Steve will not. He can't yeah, afford. Yeah. He can't afford to the eat, gas or, to get here. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, uh, John and I, I mean, we'll we'll be out of a home. We'll be yeah. homeless. Yeah. It's, we'll have no one to to talk to our trips about. No one to talk to about ourselves. Yeah. Which is pretty much the way it already already always is. But you know. <laughs> Uh, and Bevo, yeah, and Bevo, mm-hmm. dear sweet Bevo, we would miss dear sweet Bevo. We wouldn't see her. Yeah, think, yeah. She's like, she's I'm dreaming. Like, she's day. like, oh my god, could this thing be over with already? Give me a calendar. Let me just check them off. 
Sometimes I wonder if we don't drunk call you enough. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's you the guys problem. have never drunk called me, which I, I'm not sure I've, I I appreciate slash not necessarily. Maybe appreciate. we have well, and like tell us when you're drunk and Abby's we'll call answering or something. <laughs> no. <laughs> Tell us when you're drunk and we'll call you. <laughs> yeah, well, I just caught that. That's great. That's a great idea. <laughs> I love that. That is perfect. Oh, and I'll tell you, when you'll see Bevo drunk, you, you want to see Bevo drunk, go to the Homebrew Conference and uh, bring, bring check her out beer. Dear, dear Bevo. Yeah, bring her some beer. Bring her, bring her, bring her some hard alcohol. Bring her, bring her some mixed drinks. Wait, oh. where are we going to be in? No, not too many roofies. Um, she'll just do it Portland. right yeah, off, I, I, just from alcohol. I will tell it. you the truth. At all of the beer events, I the last thing you will see me drinking is beer. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Like a gin and tonic, gin and soda water. I'm not a soda. fan of quinine, okay. so I don't. I don't gin do and tonic. soda, rum and coke. Mm, no, kind of. I tend to like things that are less sweet. Oh. So like scotch. Scotch. <laughs> oh, we got, we got to take you to just that a whiskey bar. Just a flask of scotch just, with a straw. It's just scotch. Yeah, seven fifty a scotch with a long straw. <laughs> One of those hats that have the straws would be even better. <laughs> okay, that sounds uh, that sounds quite. Sounds like it's going to be a great time. I, yeah, and I know what to get you for your birthday now. Party, yeah. and then sleep <laughs> <laughs> forever. Yeah, and you are a very fun drunk. I tend to be. I, I'm not dramatic or anything. I'm right. funny and you're, then you're, tired. You're nice and, and <laughs> you giggle funny and, and tired. Yeah. I'm, I'm funny yeah. and then I get tired and, and I want to go to tired. sleep. Yeah. There you go. Uh, in a nutshell. <laughs> not like John. He's just uh, just drinks and. Uh, I don't know if I've ever seen John drunk. Oh, I have, and he just keeps being John. I mean, it just doesn't even change. <laughs> his words really are little, kind of dull. His <laughs> words are a little bit more slurred, <laughs> and that's it. I mean, that's that's the difference between there will be some tangents involved, but between uh, drunk John and sober John, pretty much the same person. Not much has changed, yeah. Right, hmm. doesn't doesn't change much at all. <laughs> I, I'm just thinking about him. Thinking about all the times we've been drunk together and just be yeah. completely. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's, he's he's the guy you want in your car if you ever get pulled over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's essentially the same. He might talk about like walleye a bit too much, but other than that, it's just it's just still John. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm trying to Jamil. I'm trying to remember the name of the whiskey bar we went to last time we were in Portland. Right, right. Um, that would be a perfect place to take Vivo to. That would there, and there's another one I went to, which is like kind of a secret room upstairs and the walls are lined with literally a thousand different bottles of of whiskeys wow and they've got this giant book that you flip through the bible and uh yeah it's just amazing um uh a friend of mine took me there uh, last time i was i was up in portland um and one of my other favorite things is there the the cheesemonger place oh yeah they, you there. yeah yeah we, we, so they've got a second location and it's just uh. cheese and beer oh my gosh yes it, it is fantastic 
and they got these great cheeses and they know all about them it's just like you know and they'll tell you about them they'll tell you everything you ever need want to know about cheese and you you can select from all these great cheeses and then they'll have like a half a dozen different beers on and you're just i don't know i loved that i thought that was spectacular is it called the multnomah whiskey library that might be it yeah how many does it say they have? A thousand. A thousand. Yeah, yep. there you go. Yeah, it's it's Just impressive. Text in Portland, a thousand whiskey bar. Right. <laughs> there you right go. Well, and uh, so one of the other things when I was there, I just recently read this thing about um, tequilas made in bull hides. So the way they used to um, uh, ferment the wash for tequila was in bull hides. And this this one uh, uh, tequila maker, it's like you know multiple generations, and the the new guy took over. He's like forty years old or whatever. He's like, ah, you know, I'm getting rid of all this new technology, which was like these wood fermenters. <laughs> <This is, laughs> throws away throws away these wood fermenters. <laughs> strings up some bull hides. Like grandpa used bull hides. That's the way it was done. And so they string up these bull hides, and that's where they ferment the wash for the tequila. I was like one of the only ones in the world that's that's gone back to doing that, and um, so it's extremely limited production. And uh, what I hear is like the president of Mexico when he has special visitors, that's the, te- the tequila he gives those people is is that tequila mm-hmm. made from this this one uh, uh, place, and um, so. I was talking about this, and sure enough, at this place in Portland, they actually have it. It's like they got everything there. So I thought that was pretty cool. Well, we'll have to check that out. Yeah, yeah. Bring a fat wallet. Um, so you can pretend like you have money. Just stuff a bunch of paper in there. Um, mm. Yeah, it, it was it was quite cool. And you're going to Porno Steve? You're going to... Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Yeah. I gotta go. Right, gotta go. <laughs> I mean, it's so much closer now. Like, you know, you really should on. brew before you go there. Oh, I will, Steve. I got, I you got a couple next months. Week. I'm gonna brew yeah. next week. And once you brew, uh, you gotta remember to bring some in so we can taste it. Okay, and we can comment <laughs> on your comment. Your water you are taste. setting yourself up for Critique. something. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. That's well, the point. Is she, is she talking to you That's or is she point. talking to me? Yes. Um, yeah, see? Uh, uh, there you go. All right. Um, today we're going to talk about uh, bottling. Uh, we're, we're doing questions that have been submitted uh, to brewstrong at thebrewingnetwork.com. So if you have questions about uh, any topic relating to beer or brewing, uh, send them in, uh, brewstrong at thebrewingnetwork.com, and we will, at some point, get them on the air. We've actually done a pretty good job at whittling down the giant pile of thousands of questions. and uh, But there's still still more, still more. Yeah, and All we right. get new ones every day. So uh, Yeah, there you go. Uh, our first question there, uh, pornographic uh, dildo Steven. This one's uh, about bottle conditioning high-gravity beers. Hey, Brew Strong, I was listening to a Sunday session where the guest said to bottle condition high-gravity beer using champagne yeast. What effect will the yeast have on the finished beer gravity? In other words, if my beer is 10% and I add priming sugar according to my software's calculations, will the new yeast only eat the priming sugar, or will it go on to eat sugars that were formerly unfermentable to the primary beer yeast? 
Well, it depends on the yeast that you use. Um, it, it can... Depends on the type of champagne yeast you use? Right. Um, champagne yeast is not the greatest at, you know, like longer chain uh, malt based sugars i think um yeah. but you know uh, like lager yeast is able to ferment some of the um uh, longer chain sugars that most of the ale yeasts won't um so that could be a difference um some yeast like if you're if you're introducing brett in it can uh you know, consume a lot of stuff that yeah. uh, your your normal fermentation didn't and if um Sometimes if you're making a uh, you know a higher gravity beer and your initial fermentation wasn't so great, usually you know it's like when you do a forced ferment and there's uh, you know a few points that don't really get uh, fermented in your regular batch that do ferment in the forced ferment, you could uh, end up adding a lot of fresh yeast and great fermentation and really go further than you would before. Generally, it's not too much, and it's nothing really to worry about. Um, in most cases, it's cons- just consuming the priming sugar. Um, but there are instances where it, it could have some impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it, it could end up having a little different flavor character than mm. just the original ale yeast. So I, I don't think you have to use champagne yeast. Um, right. Most beer yeast can tolerate up to twelve percent alcohol, no problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Unless you got something bigger, and yeah, I would just use whatever ale yeast. And a lot of times, there's plenty of yeast left in the beer. Um, so, or you can use a little, a little fresh pitch. Yeah. All right. Um, Let's take a uh, short break. When we come back, we will have more of your questions about bottling right after this. The 21st Amendment. Watch out! Do you like beer? They make beer. Watch out! Do you like friends and fun? They make friends and fun. Watch out! Do you still like to have a good time? The 21st Amendment. Watch out! The 21st Amendment in San Francisco, located at 563 2nd Street, two blocks from the building where baseball is seen and played. Try their beers in the pub or try them in the can. Featuring... Monk's Blood. Made with real monk. Watch out! So why not have the best time of your life? Go to the 21A and Sean O'Sullivan will personally greet you with a can of... Monk's Blood. The 21st Amendment. Watch out! This advertisement is not in any way affiliated nor associated with the 21st Amendment Bar and Pub, nor its subsidiaries or affiliates. This telecast is not copywritten by the 21st Amendment for the private use of the Brewing Network. Any use of this telecast without Jamil Zanishev's consent is prohibited. Suck it, JP. Your support of the Brewing Network means everything to us. We couldn't produce shows without you. And we love giving you something extra for that support, like... Brew Your Own Magazine. You already know it's a great brewing magazine full of recipes, equipment how-tos, discussions of beer styles, and brewing techniques. Whether you're new to brewing and just starting out or you're an old pro, you'll always learn something from the articles in Brew Your Own. Plus, there are amazing special issues like plans for building a Brutus 10 system, 250 classic clone recipes, and the Home Brewer's Answer Book. Brew Your Own Magazine and BYO.com are awesome resources for any 
Danny Brewer. Whether for yourself or as a gift, when you subscribe or resubscribe from the Brewing Network homepage, you directly support programs like this. Get a great magazine and support the Brewing Network. Subscribe to Brew Your Own right from the thebrewingnetwork.com. Are you a member of the White Labs Customer Club? If not, you should be. It's the easiest way to earn free stuff for turning in your old homebrew labels from either vials or pure pitch. All you have to do is save your labels and redeem them for things like free yeast, an exclusive White Labs t-shirt or sweatshirt, and even the opportunity to brew with the yeast man himself, Chris White. Signing up is easy. Just go to whitelabs.com slash customer club, fill out the registration form, and then mail in your labels. They will return the favor by sending you awesome White Labs swag. Go sign up today at whitelabs.com slash customer club. White Labs, pure yeast and fermentation since 1995. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Check out their brand new patent-pending mash and boil 110-volt electric mashing and boiling unit. This compact all-stainless unit lets you mash, sparge, and boil just about anywhere that has a 110-volt plug. Double-wall construction adds to efficiency and safety, and a precise thermostat keeps temperatures where you want want them. Unlike insulated buckets and converted coolers, multiple temperature rest mashing is easy to do, all for under 300 bucks. They also feature the Mark II Work Pump, a magnetic drive high temperature pump that does the work of pumps that cost twice as much, as well as exclusive Brewer's Edge regulators and quality Keg King kegs and disconnects. Check them out today at williamsbrewing.com to bruise their vast selection. Do you know the three most important rules in brewing? Sanitation, sanitation, and sanitation. And no one does it better than Five Star Chemicals. Five Star knows sanitation. You can only sanitize clean equipment. And Five Star knows how to clean, too. For craft brewers and home brewers, Five Star has what you need to keep your fermenters, serving tanks, kegs and draft lines sparkling and free of any beer-spoiling bacteria. PBW, caustic, acid cleaners, star sand. Santa Clean, lubricants and defoamers, pH stabilizers, and more. Five Star Chemicals has cleaning supplies, safety supplies, heat exchangers, pumps, hoses, and valves. And Five Star is proud to offer eco-friendly products that exceed customer expectations. If you have a cleaning problem, you need the Five Star solution. Visit FiveStarChemicals.com or call 800-782-7019. 800-782-7019. And get the Five star treatment today back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys brew strong all right we're back we're uh, talking uh, questions on uh, bottle conditioning and uh, bottling and uh, you know, for all your bottling needs, you can run down to uh, Great Fermentations in uh, Indiana. You can check them out on the web at greatfermentations.com. They uh, have the largest uh, selection of Blickman gear on the web, uh, so you can get the uh, spectacular Blickman beer gun uh, for bottling. Um, and they've got all your other supplies like corks and crown caps and everything else. Uh, and great people too. Lots of knowledge. Great customer service. Very fast shipping. Um, check them out, greatfermentations.com. And you can like them on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, all at uh, GR8 Fermentation. So check them out, greatfermentations.com. All right, uh, next question there. 
Mr. Porno Steve. All right. This one's from a John. One John. One of the many Johns in the Another world. John. So many Johns, so, so many little Johns. time. Uh, what do you think about bottle conditioning without adding priming sugar? I'm using SO4, and it seems to leave a bit of sugars behind anyway. Uh-huh. Is this a bad process? I'm getting decent carbonation in about three weeks. Would you suggest I start adding priming sugar or keep with what I'm doing? Oh, well, I mean, my first thought, John, would be um, that this guy's uh, not, this other John, is not uh, yeah. really uh, pitching enough yeast or providing a, a great uh, fermentation environment for his his yeast because if it's leaving so much residual sugar that you get good fermentation later or great carbonation later and then it's taken like another three weeks with the same yeast i mean um hmm. i could see fermenting out fully with uh so4 and english ale yeast let's say that does not attenuate very very much and then you know packaging with you know another yeast that does maybe like a you know a lager yeast or something like that that will attenuate right. more um but i mean that will also change kind of the character of the beer like you were saying on the previous question uh it might be better to add priming sugar and then you know more of the same yeast um but you know my real I concern think, yeah i i go back to the just that basic uh premise there i mean if he's able to carbonate without adding sugar that kind indicates a flaw in the process um you know is it is the beer not fully attenuated when he's bottling right um but and, if, it, yeah, if it's taken a month for the beer to fully attenuate out yeah then he's not pitching enough yeast or he's not rehydrating his yeast or um he's not providing the appropriate uh, nutrients or you know, there's something something hinky with the whole process. Yeah. He may have a contamination wild yeast problem going on as well. Oh, there, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The SO4 has done its job, and then by mm-hmm. when he bottles, he's picking up a diastatic-type yeast that mm-hmm. is able to ferment the larger right. leftover sugars. Right. And so he's thinking that it's just... Uh, you know, yeah. fermenting out the residual sugars, but nope, it's uh, actual contamination. It's uh, various Perfect. wild yeast um, that's making that, making that happen, or even, uh, yeah, hmm. okay. Yeah. I think in general, uh, best practice is is to use priming sugar because what you're looking for is a consistent uh, amount of mm-hmm. carbonation mm-hmm. in the beer. So, um, I, w- I would look, I would go back and look at why you're able to get carbonation without adding priming sugar and figure out what that reason is before we say that it's, it's a good or uh, a good practice or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, next question. This next one is about bottle infections. Well, it's almost like it leads right into it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this guy frequents our homebrewing over on Reddit. Uh, there's Something about, is it infected posts? And they occasionally get one picture that appears to be a small Krausen in the bottle. Uh, it inevitably creates a yes it is versus it might not be infected division. I myself have experienced this several times, but each time is it has fallen out either when put in the fridge, and it happens within a day or so, or if 
he just leaves it at room temperature for a few weeks. So a normal bottle carbonation time frame. Uh, yeah, it disappears as well. Uh, he clearly falls into the it might not be an infection camp because as far as I can tell, it hasn't been for me. Recently, I chimed in with my experience when another poster stated it was definitely an infection. In response to my skepticism, he responded with, I must admit, I'm not speaking from experience here, but this is my source. There's one simple observation you can make that will almost always indicate whether or not you have a bacterial contamination that has affected the flavor of your beer. Hold a bottle of beer up to bright light and carefully examine the fill line in the bottle's neck or any part of the surface where beer and glass are in contact. Is there a deposit adhering to the glass in the form of a ring or small dots? If so, you can be 100% certain that you have a bacterial contamination, whether you like it or not, and even whether you like the beer or not. And that excerpt is from Charlie Papazian from the Home Brewers Companion 2nd Edition. So what is it? Is it definitely an infection, or is it just something else? Or yeast eating priming sugar? He's never had gushing or anything that he perceives as negative as a result of the mini Krausen forming. Hmm. Well, I think the only way you would get uh, some sort of ring uh, at the top of the bottle is if you had, in fact, primed with uh, malt extract mm-hmm. and got, you know, some pro- a protein, protein right at the top. But even that, I mean, if you boiled the extract... Um, and you know, put it, added it to the bottling bucket. I, I'm inclined to think you wouldn't get much of one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm inclined to say that it, if you're seeing uh, some sort of, you know, uh, growth or or deposit at that at the ring, uh, I'd agree with Charlie that it probably is some sort of contamination, mm-hmm. whether or not you can taste it. Because that that deposit would almost always be some sort of protein based, uh, you know, uh, dextrin based yeah. material. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, in a real bad infection, yeah, it could be it could be a little mold cap. It could mm-hmm, be a mm-hmm. pellicle. But I mean, it, it's, it seems right. like it'd be hard to get enough oxygen in a in a bottle to get a pellicle forming. Mm-hmm. But it, you, I'd I suppose there could be other, right. you know. What about, um, I, I have seen pellicles form in bottles, just spots, not all the way across, but spots. Okay. Um, uh, what about, uh, I mean, would there be a possibility of transferring some chunks of uh, trube into the bottles and then with uh, re-fermentation, the bottle lifts it up and possibly sticks to the to the glass there yeah that could happen that could happen i mean that's the only thing i can think of that would be you know some other explanation for for the phenomenon yeah hmm yeah. interesting yeah i don't i don't know i don't know i would think i would i would tend to think also that it it's indicative of a Infection of some kind, yeah. Whether you can taste it or not, I mean, there's many different kinds that, in small enough uh, quantities, just are not that detectable. Um, not that bad. Yeah, um, but that's the only other reason I can think of. But 
I think that would be very difficult to pull off. I don't even think if I tried, I could make it work. I mean, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Especially once the tubes settle to the bottom of the, the yeah. fermenter or something like that. Even pulling it out, it doesn't tend to stick to anything. Um, but, you know, uh, even non-contaminated beer, let's put it this way, non-contaminated beer, when you ferment it and the Croissant forms and the Bronhof is taken to the top and sticks to the sides, mm. I mean, that forms a ring. There's no contamination there. Right. I mean, what's the mechanism for that that is no longer an available mechanism once it's in the bottle? Especially yeah. with re-fermentation, if you had carried over some of the uh, proteins and such, um, I mean, you're adding yeast and sugar in that vessel as well. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not real up on that. Right, so now I'm thinking, you know, probably nine times out of ten, it's going to be an infection, but... That's not to say every time it happens, there is an infection. Right? Right. I don't think you can definitively say, oh, yeah, it's always an infection. Yeah, chances are it is, but maybe not. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it depends on how fermented the beer was initially. And again, if you get enough activity to form croissant in the, in the bottle... Which generally you don't just because it's a slower fermentation. It's not very vigorous. You don't the yeast don't uh, rise to the surface, and you know, and yeah, uh, there's not there's not that much right. fermentable in there, right? But it seems like it possibly could be, especially if you're trying to do a higher carbonation or something like that, or you know. See what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think you can say 100 percent one way or the other, right? I agree. <laughs> All right, great way to vacillate on a uh, answer and uh, come it's up best. with no no solution whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. There we go. That's that's how we roll around here. Um, I'll tell you who has a a better solution for you is the folks at uh, Grog Tag. Uh, Norman Bates said it best. A boy's best friend is his mother. And while we can't say we agree 100%, we do think that this year mom deserves something cool and custom from GrogTag for Mother's Day. Go to GrogTag.com and shop from hundreds of templates covering all kinds of products that you can modify and make your very own. From coasters of your baby pictures to beer and wine labels with last year's family reunion on them to metal signs of her grandchildren, we have it all. Mother's Day is on May 13th, so start creating over at grogtag.com and use offer code BNARMY to save 10% on your order. That's grogtag.com. All right, let's take a short break, and when we come back, we'll have more of your questions right after this. Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters, this is Jamel Zanishev, and I want to tell you about Heretic Evil Twin. You might be familiar with my homebrew recipe, which uses massive late hopping to create a balance between the malty sweet and the hoppy bitter, along with an outrageous malt and hop character. 
I wanted a beer with the same bold hop and malt character, so we played around with the homebrew recipe until we were able to make a great commercial version, too. We've created a beer rich in malt character, full of caramel, toast, biscuit, and an ever-so-subtle roast note. On top of that, we piled in an insane amount of citra and Columbus hops at the end of the boil, as well as in dry hopping. This damn-the-cost approach to hopping gives Heretic's Evil Twin a great blast of citrus and tropical fruit that can't be matched by any other hop. The result is a bold, malty, hoppy, but easy-drinking beer. This is our top seller, our flagship beer, and I couldn't be prouder of it. Cheers. To find Heretic Beers near you, click on Find Some at hereticbrewing.com. Ken Grossman of Sierra Nevada Brewing Company says making great beer is hard. Making the same great beer every day is harder. Brewers Publications announces its latest release for breweries of any type and size. Quality Management, an essential guide for brewers by Mary Pelletieri. Proper quality management for small, regional, and national breweries is critical. Whether you are an established business or brand new, learn the best ways to create and manage a quality system in your brewery. This book will guide you in developing a comprehensive program that will grow with your brewery, help ensure quality processes in the brewery, and continue providing great beer for your fans. Quality management for breweries is critical for continued success. This guidebook teaches you to integrate quality management in every level of the operation. It will guide you in developing a comprehensive program to ensure quality processes in your brewery. Quality management, an essential guide for brewers, now available from Brewers Publications. Learn more at brewerspublications.com. If you work in retail sales, the restaurant industry, or are a new craft beer enthusiast, or you know someone who is, you have got to check out Beer 101. Beer 101 is an online course created for anyone wanting a quick introduction to the vast world of craft beer. Beer 101 covers the history of beer, brewing ingredients and processes, vital stats like ABV, SRM, IBU and gravity, styles, tasting, glassware, and pairing beer with food. The Beer 101 course is offered by the Brewers Association at craftbeer.com, also home to the truly awesome Beer Style Finder, a visual guide to every beer style. Quickly play with color, bitterness, and alcohol content to interactively explore the entire world of beer styles with a gorgeously designed interface to your favorite beverage. The new Beer 101 course and new Beer Style Finder are only available at craftbeer.com. Craftbeer.com, celebrating the best of American beer. Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. And you know, if you see John and I at uh, the Homebrew Conference in Portland this year, you're free to come up, ask us any questions you want. In fact, John and Tasty and I are going to be doing a, uh, a live panel uh, there at uh, the conference on Friday, I want to say. Yeah. And uh, we'll be signing books. We'll be doing all that stuff. And we're going to have a live show there at the conference. So uh, make your way to Portland and check it out. The Homebrew Conference is the – if you like beer, if you like brewing beer, there is no better event in the world for you than the Homebrew Conference. Trust me, it is spectacular. Unless you're just like some psycho who doesn't like doing anything with any other people – 
if you like listening to this, well, then you're probably a psycho. But you like hanging out with other homebrewers, and so you will love the conference. So get yourself out there. Get to the uh, AHA website and uh, sign up for uh, the Homebrewers Conference before it's sold out. Uh, it's Portland, beautiful city, amazing things to check out there. Um, great food, great beer, great breweries, great, you know, uh, cultural things to do, great uh, easy transportation, wonderful city, lots of lots of flights in and out. Uh, makes it super simple to have a great time. So check it out, uh, the AHA Homebrewers Conference in Portland, Oregon. I should always say Oregon because the people on the East Coast go like, oh, I thought you meant Maine. No, no, I didn't. Um, I'm sure Portland, Maine's a wonderful city, but it ain't Portland, Oregon. So there you go. All right, uh, next question. Simple question. Do champagne cork bottles or crown caps provide a better seal for beers for long-term storage? Sour, imperial stout, Belgian quad, things like that. Hmm. Corks tend to be breathable. So if you want um, slow bits of oxygen getting into your... Your beer for um, conversion of like alcohols to esters and things like that, or whatever you know, staling compounds, and you want some of that, then maybe you go with a cork. Um, otherwise, I'd, if you want to just seal the bottle off, I would go with a cap and um, uh, wax dip it. Cap, yeah, the wax dipping is what will really help. And there's certain waxes that will occlude the oxygen better than others, I, I hear. Um, so that's probably your, your best bet, combination of those two. All right, next question. All right. Hey, guys. I've been at Extract Brewing for the last three years, but I've recently upgraded to an all-grain system. I made out of a rectangular cooler and a modified 50-liter keg to make a nice boiling pot. Having done lots of extract kits, I'm accustomed to priming with dextrose. However, I'm wondering if that affects the overall flavor in a negative way. Would it be a better idea to use DME instead? If so, do I have to match the type of DME to the beer I'm making? I.e., I'm cloning Founder's Breakfast Stout at the moment, so would I use a dark DME for that, or would dextrose be fine? I'll also note that kegging is not optional at the moment, and I like taking my brews to parties. Um... uh I think just using dextrose all the time is fine, but I agree. Uh, um, it, it has been shown that the compounds that are produced when you prime with dextrose versus sucrose versus glucose versus fructose versus DME all produce slightly different uh, compounds in the beer. Um, and, and that that it is actually you know something that really affects the the flavor. I I'm doubtful unless you're really putting a lot in there. I think most of the time any of those sugars are fine. Um, I think DME is more of a hassle and may <laughs> produce that ring around the top that we were talking about. Yeah. Um, so I would, uh, and, and some of the DMEs are less fermentable than others. You need more of it because it's less fermentable. There's a lot of reasons not to do DME. Um, I would, uh, so for me, I would just use dextrose. I think it's one of the best. Uh, uh, yeah, especially, I mean, specific to his question with the Founders Breakfast Stout, there's enough flavor going on in that beer that you would never notice the dextrose. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's... 
uh, a difference between dark DME and dextrose, I don't think. Right. Yeah, I would just avoid, you know, I, th- I think the thing to avoid is, um, you know, if you're making a solution of your sugar uh, for priming, I just wouldn't add a whole ton of water. <laughs> you know, I'd make it a, a right. fairly, uh, uh, you know, dense solution, a fairly thick solution. I wouldn't make it so dense and thick that it's like sticks to the the bucket and won't dissolve in the beer. Right. I would uh, make it, you know, as uses little water as makes it easily soluble in the rest of the beer. Um, and that way, you're not adding a bunch of water to your beer. That, you know, if you use a lot of water, that could have a, a slightly negative effect on it, more so than. You know uh, the type of sugar um, they used to have those those priming drops like Cooper's or somebody. I don't know if they're still doing those. Yeah, those like pressed uh, pellets of dextrose or something, mm-hmm. or you, just sucrose sugar. Right, you just sugar. dropped them into the, uh, the bottles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, something like that's possible too. All right, um, another question. One's about storage temperature after bottling. I bottle all my homebrew. No kidding. At what temperature do you recommend storing beer after bottling? Do I need to keep it at one temperature for a certain period immediately after bottling and then some other temperature later on? Should I refrigerate it immediately after bottling or is it better to wait a while? If it matters, I brew exclusively IPAs with an original gravity of 1.065 or higher. Well, you got to let it carbonate, and that's best done at room temperature, um, 20 to 25 degrees C, you know, 70 to 75 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, keep the yeast activity up, uh, get it, and let the yeast consume that priming sugar and carbonate it. After it's carbonated, then you're, you've your main concern is flavor stability and now it's time to chill the beer keep it in the refrigerator keep it cooled or cold or cool um, for you know preserve that beer flavor for as long as you can yeah and i'd also add um, you want to avoid fluctuating temperatures uh, while the while the beer is carbonating and also while in storage so um what's carbonating just if you can't keep it you know in the 68 to 75 range um let's say you know um, it'll get up to that and then it'll drop down to 50 and it'd be better to store it somewhere where it's 62 the whole time than you know have it going up and down up and down um but yeah that's you want to be up in that that range warm enough to uh for fermentation really that's what you're you're looking for so that and um yeah the same thing when you're storing it store cold and continuously cold the colder you store it the longer it's going to stay fresh the longer it's going to be like that beer you brewed otherwise um staling occurs and occurs faster the warmer it is so just a a fact of fact of life all right well we got uh, one more question yep okay so let's do the one more question and then we'll take our final break and then we got some questions in the chat room after that all right does bottle conditioning an ipa suppress the hop aroma and flavor i know that hop oils bind to yeast cells so does the small amount of yeast in the bottle pull out some of those precious hop oils 
No. Yeah, I mean, maybe it, it is a little bit, but I mean, especially if you, if you get more yeast growth during um, carbonation, um, or you're putting, you're adding the yeast in to solution, you know, when you're mixing in the bucket or whatever. I mean, maybe it's picking up a little bit, but I can't imagine it's like a noticeable amount or very much. Yeah. I think the main concern is that, um, you know, in the boil, uh, you, you have a lot more trube, and in the fermenter, you have uh, a lot of trube, a lot of yeast mass and, and hop trube that is going to, and you're going to separate the beer from that trube. That's where these oils and, and so on are being carried out, carried out of solution. They're being taken mm-hmm. away from the beer. In the bottle, they're still in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so well, I, I yeah, think you're very little. They're stuck to the yeast unless you're consuming the yeast. Yeah. Um, I would just avoid, I mean, you shouldn't have a giant slug of yeast in your bottle right. at the end of, of carbonation. You should have just a fine, dusty layer. Uh, if you look at a Sierra Nevada pale ale, that is what it should look like, a fine little coating on the bottom. Um, you, it's so thin you can't even really measure the depth of it. If you see something where you, you think you can measure the depth of it, it's way, way too much. So you have a fine, thin layer. Um, and we talked about this for, before. I think we, we gave the numbers on it. It's, um, what do they use? Like a, a million uh, per, or a billion per liter or something like that. It's, uh, it's, it's not much. Mm-hmm. Um, and that gives them a, and that's after filtering out the existing yeast. They add that back. So you already have some yeast in there. So just don't add a ton of yeast, and I don't think it would be a problem. I'd, I'd agree with John that it really is not a significant thing. I'll tell you what is a significant thing is White Lab's new uh, mobile app. Uh, whether you're a home brewer uh, searching for your next strain or a professional placing an order, White Lab's mobile app has something for everyone. Key features include an easy-to-navigate ordering system, custom culture calculator to determine the appropriate pitch rates, homebrew store locator, up-to-the-minute inventory availability, and more. Download the new White Lab's mobile app for iPhone or Android by searching White Labs in the App Store or Play Store today. All right, let's take a short break. When we come back, we'll have some questions from uh, listeners in the chat room right after this. Are you looking for a simple brewing system that's great for all green brewing, but everything on the market seems to be full of compromises? Blickman Engineering has the answer. The Blickman Brew Easy All Grain Brewing System. The Brew Easy is a complete system with easy upgrades and a beautiful compact design, perfect for any size brewing location. At its core, the Brew Easy is built on two gorgeous Blickman Boilermaker brew kettles, a high-temperature March pump, and either a top-tier gas burner or the new boil coil electric heater. The BrewEasy adapter lid allows the pots to stack on top of each other, forming an efficient, strong, and compact brewing setup that comes in 5, 10, and 20-gallon batch sizes. Upgrade your BrewEasy system with full automated control by adding a Blickman Tower of Power temp controller and make moving around easy with the Blickman Kettle Cart. The BrewEasy is modular. If you already own a Boilermaker kettle, you can build your BrewEasy by purchasing just the modules you need. The new BrewEasy all-grain brewing system. See it today at BlickmanEngineering.com and brew with Blickman quality on your new Brew Easy. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, more beer was behind it. 
More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. Morebeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. Morebeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to morebeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, More Beer's social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of The Buzz, The Forum, The Learning Center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. Learning to brew has never been so disgusting. This is Brew Strong. We're back. I want to tell you about our fine sponsor, Adam and Eve. If you want, uh, you know, adult entertainment, if you want to uh, share a special evening with uh, someone, uh, someone romantically, like you know, Porno Steve. Uh, there you go. Yeah. I bet you, I bet you, Porno Steve keeps these people in business. Oh yeah. I'm probably buying like cases of dildos. Oh, just. Crates. <laughs> like rubbery ones and hard ones and somebody different cats. Long ones, short ones, thick ones. Mm-hmm. Variety is the they have like of curved like ones. Can oh, you specify yeah. like a left hand curve, right hand curve? Yeah, there's like corkscrew. Forty five degree angle. Right. Well, Ninety. Ooh, 45. Angle. 90. A ninety. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um well, you can find all that and more at adamandeve.com. And uh, today, you can use the offer code Jamel, J-A-M-I-L, at uh, adamandeve.com, and you get 50% off almost any one item. So you, you buy one item, you're going to get 50% off of that, and that's all you're going to pay. Because you're going to get free shipping, you're going to get three free DVDs, you're going to get a free extra gift, all for using the offer code Jamel, J-A-M-I-L, at adamandeve.com today. Check it out. All right, uh, we got some people listening in the chat. You can actually listen live to these shows. We try and make it noon. And um, the lovely Bevo Beaverson is uh, <laughs> monitoring lovely. monitoring She's the chat. Lovely, <laughs> lovely, She's lovely. Uh, do you have the? She moderates the chat questions. She moderates the chat. <laughs> Who's moderating us? <laughs> Who's moderating her? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I need a raise. I work with idiots. <laughs> um, I've got a. This is from Magnesium in the chat. I've got a question about hop hop alpha acid isomerization uh, in just tap water for bitterness adjustments after fermentation. Mm-hmm. I made an IPA. Uh, with putting my first wort hops in the mash, not understanding the process well, and the beer is unbalanced in its sweetness. Everything I've listened to on hop bitterness from Jamil and John say that wort yeast, uh, wor- I'm sorry, wort and yeast have a detracting effect from the alpha acids in the end beer. I'm wondering if boiling 0.5 ounces of bittering hops in two quarts of water for 60 minutes to dose the, pers- the post-fermentation beer would be 
equivalent to two ounces for 60-minute boil and five gallons of wort pre-fermentation. Well, the volume you boil it in uh, doesn't affect the isomerization, uh, really. What it does affect is how much of the hops stick to the pot, uh, how much of the alpha acids um, get, may get may stick to the pot and not isomerize or uh, and not get taken into the beer after the boil. There's also a limit to solubility. I mean, if you put in like a pound of hops in, you know, a cup yeah. of water, it's, you know, the solubility's not there. Um, so water does play a role in that, but also keep in mind, you know, the more water you use, the more you're watering down the beer. Mm-hmm. Um, the easier... Yeah, I mean, the numbers, I, I don't know, a half ounce in two quarts, that's like two ounces in five gallons? No, that doesn't make any sense to me. No, um, it's still a half ounce. It's still a half right. ounce of alpha acid. So. Right, no matter what. Yeah. Um, the the easier way to solve this is go to somebody like greatfermentations.com and order some uh, hop uh, extract, hop bittering extract, already isomerized. And just add that to your to your beer to adjust it. Yeah, that's dose probably, that in. Yeah, that's that's kind of the best way. But I mean, you can do this. Um, uh, I haven't played with this much, but I, I imagine you might want to adjust the pH um, to around uh, you know the mid four uh, range, uh, five to you know yeah, around yeah. around where you would be with uh, normal uh, brewing. Um, Brewing pH, yeah, yeah, um, and uh, yeah, uh, but you know it'll work. I'm not sure exactly what the the numbers would be. You just give it a try, and then uh, on a small scale, get yourself a, a glass of the beer, put a couple of drops of uh, your liquid in there, uh, or put a couple of drops of liquid into the glass, pour pour beer into the glass. See how it is. See if you need more or less, and then uh, you can use that to to dose the the whole thing. So that's another way of doing it. Um, anything else to add, John? Um, yeah, I mean, use um, use Beersmith or one of the calculators to figure out roughly how many IBUs you might be adding. Mm-hmm. You know, half ounce times the percent alpha in the in the hop that you're using. Um, the and and uh, just use your final volume is in, mm-hmm. in the count, in the estimation because uh, you're boiling it you know in two quarts that's essentially a concentrated bittering but in terms of IBUs that's going to be um, spread rel- across the yeah five spread gallons. across the entire five gallons mm-hmm. so use the five gallon the final volume as your mm-hmm. as your volume well and it'll be five and a half gallons. Five and a half, then. Because yeah. you're going to add two quarts of water. That's right. There so, you go. Yeah, good point. Yeah. And you've watered your beer down by 10%. So mm-hmm. that's kind of the problem with that. Um, Next question. Although. Just kidding. The thought you could, you know, start out with two quarts and boil it down to, you know, a cup. Yeah. And I mean, you might be getting into degradation problems. Too right, right. But, I mean, you, uh, you you start your boil, 
get your isomerization, get everything liquefied and spread around, then take the hop material out and concentrate it down. Because your, your IBUs aren't going anywhere. They're just going to get yeah. more and more concentrated. Right. Uh, and if you do it you know, relatively gently, if you did it on a vacuum or something, I mean, you, you could get fairly concentrated without really damaging the hops, if, especially yeah. if you're just focused on bittering. Yeah. I'd, I'd use more. I'd use an ounce, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there you go. And then uh, you're not watering down your, your beer as much. Yeah. All right. Next question now. Next question. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. This comes from Java Joe Buffalo. I've got a Russian Imperial Stout fermenting right now. And once primary is done, I plan on putting it in the... Sorry, he wrote, I plan on putting in in. I plan on putting it in the secondary for a couple of months to age. In the last couple of weeks, I plan on adding some oak cubes. My question is about long-term aging with stouts. Since I'm going to be bottling these, can I simply... Just let them age in the bottle rather than leaving them in the carbo- carboy for several months. Um, yeah, I would. I prefer doing them in the bottle. Um, the the question is on this this wood. If you do the wood first and then you age them in the bottle for for a couple of months, it's going to be different than if you age it in the carboy, then add your wood and then bottle it. Um, you'll have more brighter wood character if you do the latter and the wood character will be you know probably less or more integrated if you do it earlier and then bottle them does that make sense yeah (laughs) and then the last question comes from the same person java joe buffalo um and he says since the q a is on bottle conditioning part two of that question was going to be about bottle conditioning the same beer Wondering about how much yeast will be in the beer after two to four months of aging in a secondary. Will there be enough yeast left in the bottle? Will there be enough yeast left to bottle condition, or do I need to add some at the time of bottling? And if so, can I use yeast I've harvested from the same beer, or would it be better to use something else? There will be yeast in it, but it. it probably not that much. And um, by that point, you know, um, I would use a fresh yeast um you can use the exact same yeast i would use something that you know has about the same attenuation um if you use you know 001 from white labs in it in that beer then i would just get yourself a fresh bit of 001 and and use that you know start fresh especially on bigger beers um you know having a fresh uh yeast uh, for carbonation is becomes a little bit more important because uh, the yeast that's still sitting in there gets a, a bit tired and you know lackluster by that point. Right, right. Yeah, I, I would I would do the same. I would get a fresh a yeast vial or package and add it to the bottling bucket and and uh, siphon it in, and portion it out that way. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, there you go. Another fine show. Great job, John. Um, and great job, all you folks who sent in the questions that we used yeah. in the show. You can send them in to Bruce Strong at thebrewingnetwork.com. Uh, we don't give you, a, you know, an answer via email, but we do save all those questions. And if they're not insanely stupid, we use them on the air. Uh, even when they are insanely stupid, we use them on the air because 
<laughs> That's just the way we roll. We don't want to waste yeah. anybody's questions. Steve has to learn what somehow. <laughs> um, and if you enjoy the show and you want to keep hearing this show, I strongly suggest that you visit our sponsors, make use of the offer codes, uh, grog tag for your mom, or maybe Adam and Eve for your mom. Uh, you know, great fermentations for your for yourself. <laughs> um, uh, you know, you buy you if you buy the bulk pack, you get dildos for everybody. I'm just saying. Uh, Blickman Engineer, <laughs> send John Blickman an email, uh, all that stuff. Um, you can also go to the Bring Network store, thebringnetwork.com slash store, buy some goodies there. All that goes to the bottom line of the Bring Network and helps keep shows like this on the air. Uh, we'll see you in Portland, everybody. Uh, until then, Bruce Strong. Bruce Strong, everyone. <laughs>